Welcome everyone to Grace Family Church. What's, did you love that video or what? You see all those men, hands raised, ready to press in, ready to fight. And hopefully you're ready to fight a little bit. So before I get ahead of myself, I want to welcome all our campuses, our Land Lakes campus, our Clearwater campus. Y'all help me welcome them, guys. Y'all start clamping. Temple Terrace, South Tampa, Ebor, right here at Lutz. My love serving with you guys and those that are watching online. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Ralph. I'm a campus pastor here, and I'm so excited to be with you. And we're in our third week of the fight series, and we're coming off a man event. Any men, where you at man event? Come on, let's give it up, man. What a great time we had. We want to continue to press into community. But in week one of our fight series, Pastor Mike Ash, he shared with us our view, our perspective of Jesus Christ and how that, that kind of articulates to us the, about the things that we should see, the things we should say, and the things that we should think. And all of these messages are online, guys, and hopefully you've plugged into our online uh, network or uh, into the app. But in week two, Pastor Hal shared with us, he says, look, we got to develop a battle plan. Like, we got to have a plan to fight. And he says that we got to fight the battles that are meant for us to fight. See, there's a lot of fights. There's a lot of battles out there, but it's up for us as Christians. It's up to us to fight the battles that we're meant to fight. And in week three, we're going to talk about finishing strong. What does it look like to finish strong? I mean, if we're fighting the battles we're meant to fight, then we want to fight them in such a way that we finish well. We want to finish strong. And everyone kind of shared about their boxing story or their fight story. And for me, I really don't have a lot of fight stories. I got into fights when I was growing up, but I never really liked boxing because it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, it does not make sense to me that two people would chase each other around a ring for three, 10, 15 rounds, punch and fight at each other and try to knock each other out and then hug and say, man, good job, bro, I love you. I don't get that one. The second reason I'm not crazy about boxing is this, is that uh, I didn't want to end up looking like this. Now, that's me now, I didn't get into a fight with a person. I got into a fight with a half marathon. And, the, and you know, half marathon one, Ralph, zero, right? I'm on one, man, when it comes to marathons. And I was looking forward to doing a 26.2. And I was like, nah, I'm good. But you know, the thing about that marathon was this. I, I look back on that day and I had pneumonia. And my wife and my son... We're at the finish line, and I remember Pastor Mike Ash down at South Tampa. Y'all give him a hard time. He's like, Ralph, let's go. Your wife is there. Your son is there. And I'm like, ah! and I'm running, and I'm so emotional that I passed. I literally passed out. <laughs> like, I was so excited. I was like, ah! and I passed out. Have you ever seen someone fight with emotion? How long does it last? Just a couple of minutes. And what I'm learning about the fights that we have in this world or the fights that we have in our, in our Christianity or these fights that are important at the end of our life is that we got to fight them with strategy. We can't fight them with a whole lot of emotion. 
You know, our strategy helps us to gain strength over a period of time as we move towards victory. You know, we all have a finish line that's waiting on us. We all have an appointment at the end of our lives. And what I've realized is this, is like Maximus says in Gladiator, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. You know, what I do in this life, what you do in this life, what we do in this life really, really matters. If we're spending our time fighting for success, man, that's the wrong fight. If we're spending our time fighting for fame and financial freedom or wealth, or generational wealth, it's not the right fight. It's not worth waking up every day and fighting for that. Because how many of you know that you can't take that with you? That won't echo in eternity. And here's what you need to know. There's three big fights. Every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice has three big fights that we have to wake up every day and fight for. Every day when your eyes open, you fight these three things, and you have an enemy who's fighting against it. You have an enemy that's fighting against three big areas of your life. Are you ready to fight? Oh, man, that's like three people. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight for the three big areas? And, I, and as we spend the rest of our time together, we're going to talk about what these areas are, and we're going to talk about it from the life of a man named King David. King David shows up in the Bible, like 38 books of the Bible. He's a king. He's a shepherd. He goes down in history as the guy who kills Goliath. He goes down in history as a man after God's own heart. He shows up in the Psalms. He's, he, man, you know what, ladies? David was the man. I mean, like, he was a warrior. He was a worship leader. He was a shepherd. He was sentimental. I mean, he had it. David had it going on. But David gets to the end of his life, which we all will, and David looks back across his life, and he sits down with his son Solomon, and he says to him, son, I got something I want to share with you. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with someone who's in the final round of their life. You know what? I'll submit to you this. I've gone, I've had the privilege of going to many hospital rooms. One of them was my mother. And what I've learned about this is there's very few words spoken at the end of your life that are like frivolous. I mean, like they're, they're like words that are spoken that mean a lot, guys. And as you get to that final round and you got your son sitting there, this is what he says. David opens up in 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. He says, when David's time to die was near, he's in the final round, he told his son Solomon, I'm going the way of all the earth. So stay strong. So be strong. Show yourself to be a man. Now, here's the interesting thing. He doesn't say, stay strong, show yourself to be a man. I got a whole lot of money, I'm going to leave you. He doesn't say, stay strong, show yourself a man, sleep with as many women as you can. He doesn't say, stay strong, show yourself a man, and do this and that. He says, stay strong, show yourself a man, do what the Lord your God tells you, walk in his ways, keep all his laws and his word. This is a king with all the little resources 
whatever you can imagine. But what he does is he turns to his son. He says, I'm at the end of the rope. I'm telling you, when I look back over my life, the things you need to worry about is this. You need to do what the Lord your God tells you. You need to walk in his ways. You need to keep all of his laws and his commandments. That's what you need to do, son. And so whether you're a woman or a man, he charges you. He say, man up, woman up. There's a cause to fight for. When it says that we do what the Lord, your God, everybody say, my God. He's the Lord over everything, guys. He created it. He holds the world in his hands. But guess what? The game changes when you say, he's my God. See, it's personal now. That means I have a personal relationship with him. It speaks of obedience. When I walk in his ways, it means that I progress in what he's telling me. When God speaks to me, I'm walking in what he's telling me. I'm progressing. We are going somewhere in our relationship. You know, if I'm struggling with forgiveness, I start to forgive. If I'm struggling with being truthful, I start to tell the truth. If I'm struggling with honesty, I start to speak honesty. I start to get kind. People at work start to look at me like, man, something different. I'm not as angry with my wife anymore and I start to build up because I'm walking in his ways. I'm I'm progressing. It says to keep all his laws and his words. You know, David writes in the psalm, he says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That speaks of study. That speaks of daily waking up and diving into God's word. So the first fight that we all will fight is to be strong and fight for our faith. We are to be strong and fight for our faith. Now let's remove all the emotion from this. How do you fight for your faith? Here's a strategy, guys. You wake up every day. You sit on the side of your bed. And it's funny, as you kind of get a little older and some of the, some of the people in here kind of relate to this, you wake up and you're like, oh God, you gave me another day, okay. I got another one. And then I reach over and I, I tap my baby. Oh, you gave us both another day. Here we go. We're good. We're moving in the right direction. And I say, God, you know what? This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, before time began, you have ordained good things for Ralph and Tracy to walk in. And today, God, would you give me the grace to choose those good things to walk in? Then I put my slippers on and I walk over to the, 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 the brush my teeth, whatever, do my hygiene. This is strategy, guys. I'm talking to you. And when he talks about keeping all of it, you can't keep what you don't find. You can't keep what you don't find. So I open my devotional. I say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I'm not preparing a sermon. I need you to prepare my heart for the day. I need you to give me something that when I walk through this day and I I bump into people that I can share what God, my God, is telling me. So this is prayer. This is devotional. Let's talk about prayer for a minute. I, I tell you, it took me a while to learn about prayer. Prayer is communication with God, guys. That's all it is. But sometimes it's just one-way communication. Do you know that God speaks to us? He speaks to us, and sometimes he speaks audibly. I agree with that. But most of the time, he speaks from his word. And if you're not diving into his word, how do you know what he's saying? He only hears what you're saying. But when we dive into his word, he hears. We hear what he is saying, and then we do it. It's obedience. If you're looking for your faith to grow, the strategy for growing your faith is growing in your obedience. Will you do what the Lord, everybody say, my God, is saying? Will we do what he is saying? 
Because when we do what he's saying, we'll see progression. Watch this in David's life. Before he fights Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 35, it says this. David is given his resume for why he should be the one to fight Goliath. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Now, now, don't move past that. Don't move past it. Here's why. Because he's been faithful and obedient in a small thing. I've been faithful, God, to you in taking care of my father's goats. So when the lion or the bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with my club. That takes a little bit of courage. And I rescue the lamb from his mouth. And if the animal turns around on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. His faith had grown from the lion to the bear. So when Goliath showed up, he was ready for Goliath. Is your faith growing from the lion to the bear so that when the big faith issue comes up, you're ready to step into it and strike it down? We see the progression in his life. I remember a, a faith moment for Tracy and I. It was, we knew we had been called to ministry and we were in Puerto Rico, 19, I'm gonna give you the date. It was 1996, guys. We were called to ministry and we knew it and we were trusting God. We were fasting and praying and some things happened. And sometimes I want you to realize this, obedience doesn't always make sense. Most of the time it doesn't. Obedience doesn't make sense most of the time because it's like, it's like a little disadvantage because you got to trust God. Your faith is growing. And long story short, we accepted our opportunity for ministry in 2012. 1996 to 2012, I was two years away from a retirement. Most people say, you stupid. You dumb. You getting ready to give up your retirement to go into ministry? Boy, that's so stupid. But I had a word from God. And God told me to get out the boat and that I would be able to walk on the water if I keep my eyes on him and that we would not miss a meal and that our latter days would be better than our former days. And the dude that's standing in front of you right now with his wife sitting out here has been in ministry since 2012 and we haven't skipped a beat. But will you be obedient in the little things so when the big thing comes, you can make a decision and depend on the God that delivered you from the lion or the bear. So Goliath won't stand a chance. You know, the second fight is this. So the first fight is faith, guys. Obedience will grow your faith. There's a strategy. The second fight is this, guys. The second fight that we all have is the fight for our family. Man, there's a strategy for growing your family. There's an old proverb that says this. It takes a village to raise a child. And you know, you go to a church, you call a church your home that has Clubhouse, has Zone, has uh, United, has Exchange. There's something for your children where people will speak the same language you're speaking into the life of your child. Because I can tell you as a man that has raised kids that are a lot older, that you need those other voices. You know, Satan is trying to destroy families. He's fighting against your family being healthy and whole. And here's the thing. David has this example. He wasn't a great example, guys, but we're going to learn from his example. Actually, David had eight wives and 22 kids. Exactly. That's a lot of fighting. That's a lot of family to fight for right there, right? He was disobedient, guys. He wasn't supposed to have eight wives. He was supposed to have one wife. 
God's word to him at that time, but he had allowed what was going on in society to cause him to make decisions with the Lord his God that wasn't the instruction from the Lord his God. Have you ever noticed how society tries to infiltrate God's word and his plan? That's why we got to dive into his word and know it for ourselves. So men, it's not all right for you to have more than one wife. Let's go ahead and take care of that right now. It ain't all right, all right? There we go, all right. But you know what? I find something in David's life that's very interesting. If you know the story of David and Bathsheba, David took Bathsheba, basically. He ended up murdering her husband, and she ended up being his last wife. Most people don't tell that part of the story, so we're going to tune in. When we talk about fighting for family, if you're married here, I want you to look at this for a second. David gets forgiveness from God. He worshiped God. He renews his relationship. He receives uh, forgiveness and he's whole. David comes to Bathsheba whole and he says, look, honey, I know I've wronged you, but I'm whole now. She's still broken. I love what Pastor Hal said, said last week. Are you man enough to repair what you've broken? And watch how David handled this in 2 Samuel 12, 24. It says, then David comforted. Everybody say comforted. Now, when he says comforted, he's not talking about he gave her a back rug. Girl, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't have did that. I was, you know, I was with the fellas. And no, he didn't put a pillar under her back. And like, girl, you know, you know, no. This word comforted in Hebrews, it literally means he repented. It means he told her, look. I'm coming to you in brokenness, and I know I've wronged you. And what I promise you is this. I've been talking to God, Bathsheba, and when me and God talk, I realize that I not only sinned against you, but I've sinned against God. And Bathsheba, let me tell you something. What I did to you, it won't happen again because I not only have to deal with you, Bathsheba, I got to deal with God. And she was comforted by David. And Bathsheba became his wife, and he slept with her. And watch this. This is how God looks at what happens. She became pregnant, gave birth to a son. David named him Solomon. And watch this. It says that God loved the child. God loved. In fact, Solomon is that kid that's at his his dad's bedside. And I can tell you right now, married couples, you may have had a rough run. Tracy and I have been in this thing for 30 years. We've been married for 30 years. And we can tell you that at our wedding, they were placing bets. They ain't going to make it. I got $5 on. They won't make it. They ain't going to make it through the honeymoon. They ain't going to make it. They ain't going to make it three years. I'm telling you, man, I got $10 on it. They not going to make it. And here we are 29 years later. But you know what? The reason why they were betting because they were, come on, you can give it to them. 29 years later. Watch this. But they were right. I brought some baggage into our marriage. I said some things, and I did some things I shouldn't have done. And I've learned from David's example and the example of the word, if I fight for my faith, it will prepare me to overcome and fight for my family and fight for my wife and fight for our future. And we'll fight together for what God has for us. You know, what's the strategy for reconciliation? It's digging until you find a problem. It's going to counseling. It's being in one of our married life groups. Man, keep digging, praying through it, striving through it. The second area when we talk about fighting for our family, we got to fight for our kids, man. 
I don't know about you, but if you got a teenager, you've had a challenging child. If you raised a teenager in this generation, you got some, you have some challenges. Can I get a witness? Amen. Good. Now, let me tell you something. David had some challenging kids. And David made a mistake that many of us made. Many times our children remind us of ourselves. Many times our children remind us of ourselves. You remember David getting the guy drunk, David taking a woman that wasn't his, and David murdering someone? You know his kids did the same thing? His son Amnon took a woman who wasn't his. His son Absalom got Amnon drunk and murdered him. Because what we do in moderation, our children would do in excess. Let me break it down to you like this. Not only will our children do it in excess, the things in our children's life are more so caught than taught. It's caught than taught. They're looking at how you're responding. They're looking at how you're doing. They're looking at, how are you cheating the lady at the, at the, at the restaurant? They're looking at, are you sneaking in? They're looking at, they're, they're picking up on all of that. And guess what? That becomes their lifestyle. And so David is dealing with his kids. And what I want to point out to you is this. Absalom goes on the run. This is his son, Absalom, the one that murdered. He goes on the run. He's on the run seven years. He comes back to Jerusalem and stays two years. His dad is in mourning for his other son. His dad is missing Absalom. And here's the problem. And here's the problem that most of us have when our kids get older. We send them out there. We send them out there. We say you're 18 and you get out there and you figure it out. But that's never God's plan. God never intended for us to let our hands off of our children and let the world raise them. He never intended that. And we got to get over this fact. You are not a man when you're 18. I was almost 40 before I became a man. I'm telling you right now. You're not a man then. But you know what David didn't do? David didn't talk to his son for seven years. He did not speak to his son for seven years. And you know what his son did? He's the challenging son. He rebelled. And he tried to take over his dad's kingdom. And all that we read in the story, all that we read is that Absalom was rebellious. But no one ever pulls Absalom to the side and says, son, what's going on in your heart? Why do you feel the way that you feel? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you acting out? Why are you burning these people's fields and doing all this stuff that you're doing? Maybe he's upset because his sister was violated. Maybe he's upset that his dad never spoke to him. I want to challenge you dads and moms. If you have a challenging son, I want to charge you, be strong and fight for your family. Pick up the phone this weekend and call him and say, look here, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm sorry for whatever's going on. You know what? And I may not agree with your lifestyle, but I want to be around you. I want to be with you because here's the thing. If you're not, I've learned this. If you're not speaking into your children and your wives and your, uh, any relationship, Satan is. Where you're silent, he's speaking loud. Will you speak into those relationships? And here's what Absalom says, and this is a very sad scripture for me. 2 Samuel 14, 32, it says this, and Absalom replied, because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. 
been waiting here two years, man. If he didn't intend to send me, why did he bring me back? I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. It's a sad scripture, man. This kid's walking around with all this guilt from his dad. His dad wouldn't speak to him. Guys, we got to fight for our faith. We got to fight for our families. We got to repent for our part. I'll, I'll tell you what a wise man told me one time. He said, if you want to build a relationship with your kids, be where they are. If you want to build a relationship with your kids, if they play video games, guess what you need to do? Play video games. You know what? If they like going hunting, get you a bow, climb up in that, whatever that thing's called up there in there, and sit there next to them. If they like going to the football game and you like basketball, guess where you need to be? At the football game. You fight for them. You fight for your family. And some of this might seem far-fetched to you. Some of this might seem weird. You're like, man, Ralph, you're coming down on this hard. But here's the thing. Those two fights are the things that really matter at the end of your life. Because one day, all of us are going the way of all the earth. And when we look back, we don't want to look back with regrets. And here's a story of a man named Joseph that goes to church here. He's going to share how he fought for his faith and fought for his family. Let's watch this. Roughly about three years after I moved to the States, I found out I became a fa I was a father at the age of 15. And that was a challenge. And that was one of the hardest times of my life as a 15-year-old. I didn't know where to go, what to do. And the best thing I could think of was to leave. So I actually left. I was gone for 11 years of my son's life. And after college, I uh, ended up connecting with some really good friends, one that happens to be Jordan Kemper, who lives here in Tampa. And eventually we decided to have a Bible study together. And there were just three guys. It was my friend Jordan and Jeremy and myself. Well, that night, I drove home. It was a Monday night. I wrote a letter, sent it off. By Friday, I got back from work. I'm sitting there, and I get a call from an unknown number. And it happened to be my son's mom. And that was the first time that I heard my son's voice after 11 years. Eventually, the day came, and my mother, my aunt, my sister, and my niece were there right by my side to meet my mom's first grandson. thing that God has done now is the fact that I get to impact my young son that's 21 years old and that is probably the most amazing feeling that I could have considering all that happened. For a man that feels like um, he doesn't need community and he doesn't need anyone, the first thing I would say is your ego is not your amigo. Um, and the reality is we all need community. And to have a safe environment where you can truly let the walls down, zero judgment, and more than anything else, whatever it is that you're going through, any highs, any lows, we'll celebrate the highs. When it comes to the lows, let's wrap our arms around you and pray for you and see how we can help you. Come on, let's give it up. 
Man, y'all ready to fight? I mean, what a great story of a man who fought for his faith. He fought for his family. And you know what? When he fought for his faith and his family, it impacted the last big fight we all have. He was fighting for his future. He was fighting for his future. It impacted his son. And one thing I realized about boxing, one thing I realized about uh, fighting is you got to have somebody in your corner. David had a dude named Jonathan in his corner. Let's look at what Jonathan says in this, what, what happens with Jonathan in this, this verse. Keep going, guys. That's not it. Next verse. Next verse. Come on. One day near Harash, David received the news that Saul was on his way to kill him. David is hiding. He's on the run from Saul. And it says that Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him in his faith to stay strong in the first thing. What's the first thing? Fight for your faith. He finds him and he encourages him in his faith. Is there anyone in your life that when you're out there fighting and your arms get tired, they come to you and they say, man, I'm going to lift your arms up. I got your back. I'm going to lift your arms up. I am in your corner. Who is your Jonathan? Because God never intended for any of us to walk through life alone. In fact, who's your Jonathan? <laughs> Let's get a female name in there. Janice. Who's your Janice? That's going to come and encourage you to keep fighting for your faith. Keep fighting for your family. I can tell you right now, my Jonathan is my wife. My wife was fighting for my family when I was fighting against my family. When I didn't believe, she believed. When I lost faith, she had faith. And we've been fighting for this thing together. We've been dreaming together. We've been talking about a future where we would have grandchildren. Let me tell you this. There's only one man that my kids have ever called granddad. He's here right now. His name is R.V. Brown. My kids never called a biological dad granddad because my wife and I both grew up behind, without that. And for me, raising kids, that was somewhat of a... If you, man, if you got a dad who's speaking into your life, you're blessed because he's helping you navigate this. And with Tracy and I, we would see grandparents and they're pushing their grandkids and we would look and we would say, man, that's the vision for our life. We want that one day. And so I'm at the house one day and I'm fighting with my kids. I'm fighting with my kids. I'm ranting and raving. Y'all gonna do what I say to do again in my house. If you ever got to tell somebody it's your house, it ain't your house. I'm letting you know that right now. If you ever got to make that announcement, just... Take it from me. All right. So look, and I never forget, she came over to me. I was in the room. She said, Ralph, can I talk to you? I said, what, you, what you want? Bitch being just a jerk. She said, well, do you ever want our kids to want to come back home when they leave? I said, yeah. She said, well, you need to stop doing that. Whatever that is, that fight that's in you against them needs to become a fight for them. And I learned from that because she was my Jonathan. She was in my corner fighting when I didn't have the fight in me. Who is your Jonathan? Who's believing when you don't believe? You know, the scriptures tell us this in Deuteronomy. It says this about a generational blessing. It says this, it says, in Deuteronomy, you must not bow down and worship them, for I'm the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, and will not to tolerate an affection for any other gods. Watch this. Come on, guys. 
I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected. What you do in your life affects your downline. We think it doesn't. It affects your downline. Every child in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, the curse stopped with us. Watch this. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations. Everybody say a thousand generations. Everybody say, I'm working for a thousand generation blessing. The curse is reversed. I'm working for a thousand generation blessing. No more foolishness in our family line. Of those who love me, and there's that word again about faith. You're growing faith and obey my commandments. Who's fighting for your future? And when Tracy and I would see those grandparents and they pushing their grandkids out, we would say, oh man, that's, that's going to be us one day. And this little girl right here came in the world. And I remember all the times I could have blown it. I remember all the arguments with her dad. I get to hold her now. I get to speak into her now. And when you look at that picture, here's what you don't see. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is what she hears every time she sees grandma and grandpa. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If I never wake up again, if I never ever wake up again, that's the last word she will hear from her grandpa and her grandma. Who's fighting for you, man? Who's fighting with you? Maximus said this, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Will you start your fight today? Will you let us watch this? This is what I love about boxing. One of the things, I don't like the fact that they get in the ring because you can be the only person in the ring. I like the entourage. I like the hype man because them all the day one homies, them the people that's been fighting for you, they've been speaking into your life. And when you get in the ring of life, they're the ones on the sideline telling you, keep going, Ralph. You believe in something deeper, bro. Don't watch that. Don't turn that channel around. Don't go there, bro. Keep fighting for your faith. Keep waking up and praying, bro. Keep being obedient to God because you know what? One day, bro, your faith is going to grow in such a way that you're going to be able to overcome a Goliath. And you know what, Ralph? Keep fighting for your family, man. I know you mad at Tracy, but look here, bro. You need to go back over there. Don't come over to my house. Don't come stay over here, bro. I ain't drinking no beers with you so that you can just kind of hang out. I need you to go home to your wife, bro. You know what? No, we're not going to the bar, bro. We ain't going to smoke cigars and hang out and be with women and eat wings and all that. No, bro, you go back home. You go back home, bro. You know what? You go back home. And you know what, bro? You got baby Geneva over there. She needs you, bro. She don't need her grandpa with a news story out there doing something stupid. She need her grandpa to speak over her and to sing over her and remind her who she is before the world starts to tell her who she is. Who's fighting for you? Let us fight with you. Take out your phones. If you're willing to fight. Take out your phones. Text the word fight to 
Text the word FIGHT to 81313. We want to come alongside you and fight for your faith, help you grow in your relationship. We want to come alongside you, help you fight for your family. We want to come alongside you and help you fight for your future. How will you finish? The Apostle Paul finished this way. He says, as for me, my life is already being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now a prize awaits me. I've been fighting my whole life for faith. I've been fighting my whole life for family. I've been fighting my whole life for future. And now I'm in front of Jesus and I've remained faithful and my prize is a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not only for Paul, it's not just for me, but it's for every single person who eagerly await him. One day we'll all go the way of the earth. And if you fight for your faith, fight for your family and fight for your future, You'll be a prize fighter at the end of this deal.